Good morning. You guys had a great week? Some of you sound like you had a terrible week, but that's okay. Um, wear the warm clothes while you can, because it doesn't last for long, people. I'm digging through everything I got, thinking, man, I'm dressing. I'm doing wear. You know, I almost put a sweater on this morning. And uh, I even had to turn the, you know, you very often in Florida, you have that little hot thing in your seats. You know, when you're driving in, I even had to turn those in this morning. I thought, well, that's great. That's all. I've had a, my kids turning on me before think it's funny, you know. <laughs> but, uh, but anyway, listen, we are glad that you're here. Uh, if, if you've not yet signed up for the men's retreat, would you please stand this morning? I'm just joking. <laughs> now look, you go out and you'll buy a, and I, I should do that with the women as well. It, isn't that right? I mean, you go out and you'll buy a brand new fishing reel, Nathan, and you'll go buy, <laughs> you'll buy some new hunting equipment or you'll buy this or that for yourself, but you won't make an investment in your spiritual life. Uh, hello? I done gone to meddling, hadn't I? <laughs> Mark is the one that told me to say that, so I just want you to know. But isn't that the truth, Mark? I mean, listen, this is a time set aside for us to gather as men and women a couple of weeks later, for us to be able to gather and to talk about God's Word. I want you to be there for that time. That's important. And if you can't afford it, Brian Broom will pray for it, okay? I just want you to know that. Stand up, Brian. So you see Brian. Brian will make sure he pays for you to go. Every man needs to take this time out. You need to take this time out. Set it aside. Every woman, you need to take this time out. It is so important. We'll pay for our kids to go off to camp, which is really important. We need to spend time focused in those times that we get, us, we get ourselves away. It's not just about the teaching, but it's about the relationships, the new people that we have an opportunity to meet. And uh, anyway, I just want you to make sure that you're a part of that time. Oh, I don't know if it was mentioned a little bit earlier, I was busy, but um, Heritage University starts back to those, uh, tonight. For those of you that are interested, you can sign up online, come be here at 5 o'clock. There's different classes that are available for different groups. Also coming up in February, just to make note, we have and have over the past several years participated and celebrated what we call Love Week during February, because in February it's Valentine's Day, right? Okay, Love Week sort of goes together. And it's our goal as a church, it's our goal as a community, a part of Blessed Fruitland Park, that we spread the love. Now, we know the love that we're talking about. We're talking about the love of Christ, the opportunity we have to make an investment in the lives of people in this community to make a difference. What we're challenging, there are going to be multiple things that are going to be happening during that time. We will again collect eyeglasses for those uh, who are in need working alongside of the Lions Club. We'll be doing some other things with here within our city. Um, but personally, this is the deal for, for me and us, that it wouldn't just be a bunch of activities and events that are planned around this community, but you would pick this up as an individual, as a family, even as businesses, and you would find ways that you might bless people. Does that make sense? Maybe it's if you own a, a restaurant, maybe you give a, maybe the deal that, that for a day is that you, you're going to give, you know, a Coke, a tea or whatever it is, that'll be free that day. Or it might just be that you put something on the table that says, I want you to know that, that we love you and appreciate you. I, it may be as a family that you sit down and write some letters to people that maybe you've not written a letter to and just tell them how much you appreciate them. But during that week, we find ways that we can share the love. Maybe you're going through Starbucks or, or uh, Chick-fil-A or one of the restaurants and, 
you're in the line and you just want to pay for the person behind you. I don't know what that may look like, but it's for us to be able to find creative ways during that week for us to be able to share the love within our community. We'll be talking more about that, but I know that you're not here to talk about that today. We're here to talk about God's word. Amen? Amen. Look at the person next to you this morning and say, do you need Jesus as much as I need him? Yeah. There are two words, two words. For some of you, that's really, you know, that's entertaining. I know that you do need Jesus more than I do at this moment. Um, there are two words that we find within the scriptures that are so easily missed and can be looked over. But I want you to know um, that it's very important that we not miss those two words. James Montgomery Boyce, when speaking, writing, had some advice when talking about those two words, and I paraphrased this for you this morning. I think we'll have this up. This may be in your notes. When we come to understand the importance of the two words, but God, they will not only save your soul, they will save your soul, but when we remember them daily and choose to live them out, they will change your life completely. Amen? With that being said, I want you to turn over to the Old Testament book of 1 Samuel. We're going to be there today in chapter 23. And what we're going to find today in the passage of Scripture that we're going to read, we're going to be looking at four different truths or statements that emerge, emerge out of this story. Um, with the first being, and you might want to write this down, this is very important to us, bad things happen to good people. Bad things happen to good people. Now, I, I know you're like me. We would love it if bad things happen to bad people and good things happen to good people, right? But that's not the way it is. I mean, you, you know that. And so let's see here inside of our story what happens in the life of David, beginning in verse 13 there of 1 Samuel chapter 23. But before we read the scripture, let's talk to Jesus just for a second. I want to talk to Jesus with your heads bowed because... Um, while you're there just for a moment, I just want you to ask yourself the question, why am I here? Why are you here? Did you come out of habit? Did you come because somebody invited you? Did you come because there's a deep, deep weight on your soul today and you're searching for answers? Why are you here today? Are you here looking for a word of encouragement? Are you here listening for God's voice amidst the scripture that is read today? Because I believe that whatever you're looking for, that you'll find it. Father, I pray that as we spend these, this time in your word, that God, that in the midst of this time, Lord, the only thing that would be on display is you, nothing else. God, into the depths of our heart, there would be, a, there would be a, a time, a moment this morning of authenticity where we open up and we say, Jesus, would you teach us today? I want to hear your voice. For every one of us here, for the person that's here that has been a believer for a long period of time, God, may there be a nugget of truth that is a word of encouragement to them this morning. For the person today that is a new believer, may there be something today that gives them to hold on to continue this journey of faith that they have now begun. For the person that is here that is searching, that is looking, even today, would there be that moment in time when they go, that's it, that's it, that's it. But in all of our 
All of everything that happens in this room today, God, may it be centered around you and your son Jesus. May the Holy Spirit be present in this place and may our ears be very attentive to hear everything that we need to this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. And so this is what the scripture reads uh, this morning in chapter 23, verses 13 and following. Not a lot of passages of scriptures here, but very important ones. So David and his men, about 600 of them now, left Kila and began roaming the countryside. Word soon reached Saul, the king, that David had escaped, so he didn't go to Kila after all. David now stayed in the strongholds of the wilderness and in the hill country as if, and Saul hunted him day after day. And here's our two words, but God, but God didn't let Saul find him. One day near Horus, David received the news that Saul was on his way to Ziph to search for him and kill him. Jonathan, his son, went to find David and encouraged him to stay strong in his faith in God. Don't be afraid, Jonathan reassured him. My father will never find you. You are going to be the king of Israel, and I will be next to you, as my father Saul is well aware. So the two of them renewed their solemn pact before the Lord, and Jonathan returned home while, stayed, while David stayed at Horesh. So our story today focuses around the life of this young man by the name of David, a young shepherd boy. This is the young man that would kill Goliath, the young man that Scripture describes after a man after his own heart, the young man who would one day eventually be the king of Israel and a central figure in God's plan to redeem his people. And yet here is David, this young man, at this scene, at this season, at this time in his life, on the run, being chased and hunted like an animal. And here we have an instance where bad things can happen to good people, where something bad is happening to someone, a young man, um, that is a good person, a good person. David's suffering wasn't because of anything that he had done up until this point in his life. As a matter of fact, Jesus said it this way in Matthew chapter 5, he said, for he gives his sunlight to both the evil and the good, and he sends rain on the just and the unjust. And the troubles that David was facing now wasn't because of any wrongdoing of his own, but it was because of the jealousy of King Saul, because of David's popularity, because of his accomplishments. And Saul's pursuit of David not only caused David to flee, but also to fear for his life. And maybe you've been in a situation like that. And because of the names and the places that we find mentioned here within our scripture, what we do know is that the, the place that's being talked about is a location between the Judean hillside and the Dead Sea. And it's an area that was, that was known to be very rocky. It was an area that was loaded with caves. Horesh literally means woods. And this is where David was hiding one of the Psalms that we find that David more than likely wrote during this time is Psalms 57. It was during that, when David was fleeing from Saul, that he would write these words. Have mercy on me, O God, have mercy. I, I look to you for protection. I will hide beneath the shadow of your wings until the danger passes by. And I cry out to God most high, to, to God who will fulfill his purpose for me. He will send help from heaven to rescue me, disgracing those who hound me. My God will send forth the unfailing love and faithfulness. I, will I, will, I am surrounded by fierce lions who greedily devour human prey, whose teeth pierce like spears and arrows, whose tongue cut like swords. Be exalted, O God, above the highest heavens. May your glory shine over all the earth. My enemies, they've set a trap for me. 
and I am weary, and I am in distress. They have dug a deep pit in my path, but they themselves have fallen into it. And so we see the story of David on the run, seeking protection from God, being surrounded by those who were pursuing him. Yet the question is, what in the world, what in the world did David do that was so wrong that Saul is so angry that he wants to kill him? And the answer to that is nothing. Not one thing. As a matter of fact, just a couple of chapters later in chapter 59 of Psalm, this is what David said, rescue me. Oh God, protect me from those who come to destroy me. Rescue me from the criminals. Save me from the murderers. They've set an ambush for me. My fierce enemies are out there waiting, Lord, though I have not sinned or offended them. I have done nothing wrong, yet they prepare to attack me. David didn't say he was perfect. That's not what he said. But what he was saying was the treatment that he was receiving was wasn't the result of anything that he had done, any sin or disobedience, but it all went back to the story of a young shepherd boy who ended up in the battle with this giant by the name of Goliath that everyone else was afraid of. But David said, no, I'm not going to put up with this foolishness. I don't understand what's going on. But he took some small stones and he took care of business. And when it was all over, Goliath, that giant, the one that was so, that sent terror down the spines of the Israelites was dead. And the people at that moment in time, they weren't talking about the greatness and the power of King Saul, but they were talking about David and how awesome he was. They even made up the words of the first rap song, okay? You know, and uh, the rap song went something like this, David is, you know, he's, or Saul is slain thousands, but David is slain tens of thousands. Can't you hear that being a rap song? Brian, you need to come up with that. So I don't know what that looks like. That's your, you know. But you have to understand the heart of Saul. It didn't set too well with him. Because here was the king. All of a sudden, he wasn't large and in charge. But there was a young man by David, by the name of David, that everyone seemed to be paying attention to. The Bible says from that time on that Saul became jealous of, of David. Saul even used his daughter in an attempt to trap, to kill David, but he escaped. Saul even turned his servants and his son against David, but the scripture says that Saul knew the Lord was with David. And so we have this period of time in David's life where we see him on the run, and he's miserable. He's overwhelmed. And we see his feelings and his emotions as he expresses them in several of the Psalms that he wrote. And this is what I know. And hear me very clearly, that as difficult as the suffering and the isolation was, there were some things that David learned in that season that he never would have learned elsewise. Are you with me? There were some things that David learned at that time that became a, a salve to his soul. And we know that because we read the words that David penned in the Psalms, and they not only give us a picture of the darkness that, of that season in his life, but it also reminds us of the faithfulness of God, the provision of God, the protection of God at even the darkest of times. And today, those Psalms, I don't know about you, but the, today those Psalms are ones that I go back and read. Those are the Psalms that I go back and read that bring comfort to my soul, especially in those times when I'm walking through situations or circumstances that I find that are similar to that which David himself may have faced. It was Charles Spurgeon who said this. 
God gets his best soldiers out of the highlands of affliction. Reminds me of the pastor that had served in the church for more than 50 years. He and his wife had been really faithful. And he had talked time in and time out about the faithfulness of God, the protection of God, the provision of God. Time in and time out, he had told stories. But on that Saturday night, his wife passed away suddenly, unexpectedly. And as some of the leaders of the church gathered, they gathered there at his house and they said, Pastor, we are so deeply sorry, but I want you to know that tomorrow we've got everything taken care of at church. And he said, no. He said, I, I'm good to go. He said, I'm prepared. And they said, Pastor, you don't understand. You don't have to do this. We understand. this. Listen, you need this time away. And he said, no, you don't understand. They said, Pastor, look, we got this. And he said, no, you don't understand. I have to speak. Because he, he said, this is the first time in my life for year after year after year I've stood and I've talked about the faithfulness of God in the midst of the valley, but I've never walked through the valley until now. And I need the people to know that God is there, even though they may not feel it. The second truth that emerges in the story isn't just that bad things happen to good people, that also bad people can't stop a good God. Look at what he says in verse 14. David now stayed in the strongholds of the wilderness and in the hill country of Ziph. Saul hunted him day after day. And don't miss that. Don't miss this. But God, but God didn't like, let Saul find him. In those two words, but God, they have the way of totally rearranging the narrative and helping us get a glimpse of God's care. Um. And it's important for us to understand that in those God moments is that when even the bad things happen to good people, that God always has the final say. Even in those moments in time when it looks as if all hope is gone, God is still in control. There are those that believe that up until that time, David had been on, on the run for some 10 years during this season, 10 years which not only means 10 years of running and hiding, but it also means 10 years of suffering and isolation, all because of the jealousy of Saul. And to think that, I mean, just to think that God would have allowed all that to take place, which leads to the question, how can a good God allow for such unfair treatment to take place? Going back to Spurgeon, he said this, don't miss this, don't miss this. The hardest-hearted, most unloving Christians in all the world are those who have never had much trouble. Those who are the most sympathizing, loving, and Christ-like are those who have suffered the most affliction. The worst thing that can happen to any of us is to have our path made too smooth. Yet how many times have we been told the lie that if you believe in Jesus, everything goes okay? Listen, there's a story in there for us as parents that always want everything to go well for our children. There's, there's a story in there for those of us that always want to pave the way so that it's smooth, so that our children never have to struggle, that our children never have to strain, that our, our children never have to walk through times of difficulty. Listen, God is at work in the difficulty as well. Amen? Amen. And he can prepare our hearts. There are some stories in this room that would just make the hair stand up on the back of your neck, but it's in the midst of those stories that God has done some of the greatest work in our lives in preparing us, in developing us, and maturing us in our faith. But the good news that regardless of whatever situation, God is in control and we can always trust him, even when it looks like he is not being trustworthy. I remember, 
And remember earlier, David had been anointed as what? King. King. And for David to be the next king, he would need to live. That's why we read at the end of verse 14 there, it says, Saul hunted him day after day, but God did not let Saul find him because God had a plan. Regardless of what the intent was over here, God had a, a plan. It was a story of Job. It was a man who was blameless, a man of integrity, a man who feared God and stayed away from evil. And the scripture talks to us about his faithfulness and obedience to the Lord. And because of those things, God blessed him. But Satan said, listen, the only reason that your servant Job trusts you and obeys you is because of your blessing and protection. I tell you what, you take that away and he'll curse you. And the scripture tells us that the Lord gave permission to, to, for him to test Job and to take away those things that he owned, but he couldn't personally harm him. And it's in the midst of that story, which seemed just like ours, that he lost livestock and servants and children and home. And in all of his grief, he cried out to God saying, I came naked from my mother's womb and I will, naked, I will be naked when I leave. The Lord gave me what I had and the Lord has taken it away. Praise the name of the Lord. God reminded Satan of Job's faithfulness in spite of all the difficulty. And Satan said, listen, I tell you what, he serves you because, only because of his health. But you take away his health and he'll curse you. And God said, okay, do what you want. But spare his life. Yet Job still remained faithful. And what I'm reminded of here is that in all humanity... In the angels of heaven, the demons in hell, and Satan himself, they all operate under the sovereignty and the power of God. May we never forget that. And regardless of the intent or the advances of the enemy, bad people can't stop a good God. Write this down. A good God doesn't negate good sense. We can have a good one with this one. Verse 15, one day Nehoresh, David, received the news that Saul was on the way to Ziph to search for him and kill him. May we not forget that here's David in the wilderness, in the woods, hiding from Saul. Well, if David believed that God was sovereign, why in the world didn't he just step out into the open like MC Hammer and say, you can't touch this? But David not only believed in the sovereignty of God, but he also believed in the responsibility of man. I mean, I've heard people say crazy things before, like, you know, whatever happens will happen. You know, I'm not going to cut my grass, but if God wants it to be cut, he'll send somebody to cut the grass. Maybe you just need to get off your ear and go cut it. Amen? Yeah. Even when David believed and trusted in God's sovereignty, it didn't mean that he was going to go out and be, he wasn't going to be proactive in protecting his own life. There's a story that we find in, in Luke chapter 16. I'm not going to go there, but go back and read it and look at what's said there in, re, in, in reference to the story. But here it is. We get a negative example to make a point in reference. But I, I'm, I'm reminded of the story that guys, the guy that drives into New York City in his nice car and he goes to the bank and he says, listen, I need a loan. The guy said, what do you need a loan for? He said, I need a loan because I need to go, I need to fly overseas. I need to do some business. And uh, I need $5,000. When I get back, I'll pay. I'll be back in a couple of weeks. And the guy said, well, that's all right. He said, but do you have any collateral? The guy says, yeah, man, I got some collateral. It's in the parking lot out there. And he goes out and he sees, I mean, that's a Lamborghini. And he goes, I know. You think that's enough? He goes, well, yeah, that's enough to cover it. He said, I'll tell you what. He said, I'll keep it in the parking lot. And he said, under secure and lock. He said, when you get back, he said, uh, you pay us back, we'll give you a Lamborghini back. The guy said, no problem. He comes back a couple of weeks later. 
just as he promised. He walked in, he paid, paid the $5,000, paid the interest, and the bank manager, the loan officer, said, uh, sir, I, I just got to ask a question. He said, I, I've done some research on you. I was a little confused. And he said, but I come to find out that you're a pretty wealthy fellow, and you really didn't need that $5,000, did you? He said, no. He said, so why'd you take the loan out? He said, well, where in the world else can I go in New York City and have my car parked and under secure lock and key for $15.61? Just because God is good and sovereign doesn't mean that we don't need to be responsible and good stewards of what God has entrusted us. Amen? Which brings me to the last thought. Bad times call for good friends. Look at what it says in verse 16 to 18. We see the introduction of Saul's son, Jonathan, to the story. Jonathan went to find David and encouraged him to stay strong in the faith. Remember, remember David's on the run. Don't be afraid, Jonathan reassured him. My father will never find you. You are going to be the king of Israel. And I will be next to you, as my father Saul is well aware. So the two of them renewed their solemn pact before the Lord. Then Jonathan returned home while David stayed at Horesh. So King Saul had a young son by the name of Jonathan, which would have meant that the day that Saul died, according as an heir, he would have become, he would have succeeded Saul as king. Jonathan went to David and he humbled himself and he said, look, the day is coming where you will be king, not me. And my dad knows that. And I just want you to know that whatever takes place, whatever difficulty you might be walking through, I'm here for you. And then it goes on to read in verse 18, so the two of them renewed their solemn pact before the Lord. Then Jonathan returned home while staying at Horesh in the woods. And even though David trusted God to deliver him um, from the hands of Saul, it didn't mean that David didn't feel. It didn't mean that David didn't experience. It didn't mean that David didn't walk through times of discouragement and doubt and fear. Are you with me? In other words, just because David knew that God was with him, it didn't mean that he didn't have those feelings of isolation. He didn't have those fears of the what's next or what ifs. And David's fear and isolations, his feelings of isolation, it was in that time when Jonathan, Saul's son, stepped in and said this, I got you, buddy. Mickey, I want you to know I got you. Mike, I want you to know I got you. Steve, I want you to know I got you. You know, Bill, I got you. And this is so important. And I thought about it because regardless of the number of years that you've walked with the Lord, there is the potential for seasons of darkness and discouragement. It may be a place that some of you are at even right now. Maybe it's the consequences of a bad choice. Maybe it's the consequences of somebody else's bad choice. Maybe it's a family issue. Maybe it's a job-related crisis. But every one of us are susceptible to darkness and to doubt and discouragement. Do you understand what I'm saying? 
I, I, don't, I don't care what season of life you're in or what position you may hold or how long you've been a believer or what, you know, I, I, that doesn't really matter. But every one of us, regardless, we're susceptible to that. I mean, I think of the story in 1 Kings of Elijah who had the boldness to confront King Ahab and the prophets of Baal. And after, after Elijah's show of courage and God's, and, and God's demonstration of power, in the very next chapter, we see this man that had stood up and was so courageous and so bold. We now see him, um, because of the threat of Ahab's wife Jezebel, we now see that man on the run and hiding. I think about the boldness of Paul who accomplished all that he did on his missionary journeys and how courageous and how bold and how, man, this, this was a strong man. I think about all the writings and yet it was the same guy that would write to the believers in Corinth in, second, in his second letter which would say, we think you ought to know, dear brothers and sisters, about the trouble we went through in the province of Asia. We were crushed, listen, we were crushed and overwhelmed beyond our ability and to endure, and we thought we would never leave through it. Have you ever been through a time that that ache was in your soul and you just couldn't seem to get rid of it? Have you ever been at that place in life when it just, it was like eating through you and there was, you carried that with you wherever you went, yet nobody knew what you were going through? And it's in those times the good, the bad, the mountain, the valley, the pit. That we all need a friend like Jonathan. We need people in our lives that will be there for us, not in just the good times, but are there for us, period. Even in the times when we act a fool. Even in the times when we do something stupid that we shouldn't do that is totally out of character. We need people beside us. We need people like this in our lives. We, need, we not only need people like that in our lives, but we need to be that type of person. Amen? See, there are some people that will be your friend as long as there's something in it for them. But then there are those people that are your friend, period. See, that's the kind of people I... Now, I, I, you know, I understand it. I've been it. I've seen it. I've experienced it. But I tell you what, I want Steve Whitaker in the... In the I want him in the pit with me. And I, I tell you that, I also want him to take him on trips because he'll make sure everything's done. <laughs> but when it comes to a battle, I want, Steve, I want Steve in the pit with me because I know that Steve's always going to be there. I don't have to worry. It doesn't matter if I've done something stupid. Steve's going to look, man, what'd you do that stupid for? All right, come over here, you know. I want some guys like Steve, Steve in the, I want some guys like Steve in the pit with me. I want some guys like Steve in my life. But the thing is, is that I need to be that same type of a person into the lives of other people. See, the, the peop do the people around you, do they characterize you as a person being faithful, dependable, and trustworthy? Are you just one of those, whoo, type of friends, you know? You're just there for the fun. It's easy to be that type of friend. But all of us need friends in our lives that are there. A friend that sticks closer than a brother. A friend that's willing to tell you not what you want to hear, but what you need to hear and not walk away from you. Amen? Amen. Saul was jealous of David and wanted to kill him. But God not only protected David from Saul, but he also sent Jonathan to stand alongside and encourage David. And what those two words, but God, remind us all of today 
is it regardless of whatever circumstance or situation that we may be facing, that because of those but God moments, we can find rest and peace. And even though we may not see God's hand to begin with, even though we may not be able to understand it, don't be so quick to throw in the towel. Don't be so quick to say, I'm done. Don't be so quick to lose hope. Because as, as Jesus' followers, we can live with anticipation and expectation of just what God might be doing. And that's a word for some of you here today. Because there may be some of you that are just ready to throw in the towel, to quit, to walk away, to say, I'm done with this. But this story, see, it was Peter a little bit later on in the, in the New Testament that we would find after Jesus had been crucified, after he'd been resurrected, after at Pentecost there in Acts chapter 2. Peter, he got on them. He said, guys, you want to know what's going on? Let me tell you what's going on. Jesus, the one who you crucified, who you put in a tomb, who you expected to stay there and get rid of, but God, but God raised him from the dead. He raised him from the dead so that we might be able to live, not in fear of death, but in the hope of eternal life. And that sin, mm -mm, no longer my master. And for those of us that stand on that side of the grave, that have trusted Jesus, man, we have that hope and that expectation of what Jesus can do but God but if you've never trusted him man what in the world are you waiting for what are you waiting for would you bow with me today where every head bowed and every eyes closed we will end like this today do you know Jesus have you experienced that but God moment in your own life where you came to realize your sin, where you came to realize your sin and came to understand the significance of the sacrifice of Jesus on the cross when he gave his life? Today, if you've never given your life to Christ, what is it that keeps you from making that most important decision? Right there where you are, you have the ability to confess your sins. The Bible says that whosoever shall call upon the name of the Lord shall be saved. It comes to a place of acknowledging our sin, believe that Jesus died on a cross for us, and coming to that place, to choose to want to commit to live for him. And right there where you are, you have the ability to make that choice, to choose, to say, I want to follow Jesus, to pray something along this line, to whisper it even to yourself right there, Jesus, today, I recognize that I have just made a mess of my life that I can't save myself, but today I recognize that Jesus is Lord. And today I want to humble myself and I want to give my life to you. Jesus, I want to put you in first place. And if that's you today, right there where you are, with heads bowed, eyes closed, maybe you would raise your hand and say, Pastor Sid, that's me. And today I, I want to give my life to Jesus. Anyone? For those of us that are believers today, I think the challenge is this, for us to be reminded that regardless of what season of life we may be in, that there's the opportunity for doubt and discouragement to seep in because of circumstances we may be facing. 
And for those of us that are believers today, I think the challenge is this. Don't be too quick to throw in the towel and say, I give. There are some of you that need to get off the pity party. You need to get off of it. And you need to get back to trusting Jesus. Jesus, I don't understand it. I can't see it. But I'm believing and I'm holding on to the truth that, God, you're involved in all of this and you're at work. Jesus, I'm anticipating that but God moment. Father, what a blessing it is for us to join together as family and friends in this place to read your word, to be encouraged in our faith, to be challenged. And Lord, as we get ready to leave, now the challenge is how do we go live on mission? How do we go out into this world in which you've called us over this next week before we gather again? And how do I be the hands and feet of Jesus? How do I bring light into this world? Not just by the, my voice and what I say, the words of encouragement and speaking the hope of the gospel, but Father, how will I be your hands and feet and live that out in a daily, in a daily way? Father, we talk about the businesses and we talk about the places like of, on the ball fields, but God, how, we, how may we as men do that within our homes? How may as mothers do that within our homes? Thank you for the blessing of salvation that only comes from you, Jesus. May we go be a light into this world, be your ambassadors. May we be that billboard that promotes only you. May we be the Jesus, the Jesus that, that some are so desperately seeking. Thank you for the privilege of being here in this place today. Guard our hearts, our minds, and our souls in Christ Jesus. In your name we pray. Amen.